0: Thank you. this year's podcast this is sabrina monarch and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution i'm an evolutionary astrologer a clairvoyant and a thought leader and i started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development I'm coming in hot with something that I just recorded about neural pathways from the perspective of the fixed signs of the Zodiac. So that is Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. This is part of a series of transmissions that I'm channeling, receiving, allowing to come through around the fixed signs because the fixed signs and the way that they all intersect with each other is something that I think a lot about, have thought a lot about for years. And it influences how I see life or creative opportunities or the capacity for transformation. And it's going to be a major theme in the upcoming Meteorite, which is a high-level advanced astrology course, a year-long program that involves creative projects for alumni of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive. Thick Signs came through as a an inspiration for this course, um, among some other things like Eros and Psyche as asteroids, as well as Diana and Apollo as archetypes that can be found in the chart as well. Diana here, thank you to Verena for her research that she did for her project in Meteorite last time about Diana and the astrological Diana, and we'll be sharing an episode interview with her upcoming soon, too. But Meteorite is a practitioner course about getting deeper into our astrological embodiment and voice and developing something through the course um, to build our own body of work or to advance a career goal or a personal goal as a project done in community. It was a really fun, magical experience the first time. This will be new material, um, but a similar energy in terms of a high-level community coming together to deepen their astrological craft. And one of my favorite parts about Meteorite 2 was the um, just talking about transits together and talking about our life experiences and reflecting in the group how those transits were impacting our own natal charts. It was reflected to me by a friend in the course that it was kind of like, um, everyone out in their own wilderness in terms of their own lives, you know, but that we could come back and share this symbol system together and find that sense of connection or belonging like in the cosmos in that really real way, you know, and to be around astrologers, who understand this language? You know, this class is open to alumni of the intensive, so that includes people that are really deep into their astrology practice, as well as people that are at the the newer side, um, but they've gone through the course, the first intensive, and are actively applying and building their astrological literacy, um, and getting to be in these kinds of groups and have these kinds of conversations where we already have the basics and we're just going deeper. Really grows our astrological voice literacy craft in an incredibly profound and deep way. So, if you want to apply for Meteorite, I'm going to leave the link in the notes and I'll get into this transmission about neural pathways now. excited right now. I just started to feel this bubbling ripeness to talk about another fixed sign transmission. And so these are meditations based off of the fixed signs where I'll be sharing ideas and connecting them to Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. And this is in preparation for Meteorite, which is a year-long program for alumni of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive. And the fixed signs are going to be a major theme for this next meteorite. So what I want to talk about in this is neural pathways. And I've been realizing with increasing clarity just in the last couple of days that my conceptual relationship with neural pathways is vast. Like I have a deep relationship to it and it's based on direct experience and how I experience my mind and my body. And it's not based a lot on external research in terms of neuroscience. And I think that this takes origin in being like a 15 or 16 year old experiencing depression and then learning that depression supposedly runs in the family um, and that it's just a brain condition. And if you know my story and know um, what I've shared, you know, like say like the second episode of this podcast, I I went through a period of really rejecting psychiatry, um, vowing to never take psychiatric drugs again. And I share that like purely as like where I stand personally. I understand that people feel benefit from psychiatric drugs at times. And this episode is not meant to be medical advice. So don't take it as such. But for me, I, you know, ex experimented. I was on antidepressants in my early life. And I remember even, you know, the first one Lexapro, I would stop, you know, when I got to the end of a pill bottle, um, I wouldn't renew the prescription right away sometimes because of like bad habits. And I would just experiencing being kind of high um, from suddenly not being on it. And then I would get back on it. And it was just interesting to me to see how my mind could be altered, right? And eventually I got to this place of um, having a spiritual awakening that was medicalized and being coerced into taking psychiatric drugs that I didn't want to take. And part of my whole resistance and argument at that point was, you know, maybe I never was depressed. Maybe I was having a natural emotional response to certain needs not being met or not totally understanding who I was, and different chronic forms of conditions in my life that I didn't have control over as a young person, Um, internalizing my environment, not knowing what to eat, you know, that would be better for me, like these kinds of things. And I didn't believe anymore that there was just a condition with my brain that is just the way it was. I really felt as though who's to say that time is even linear and that brain chemicals create our emotions. It was like a chicken or an egg thing to me, right? Like, what if I can create my brain chemistry on purpose? And I know that I can in the sense that if I start to do a breathing exercise or I start to kind of like... Induce an ecstatic state in my body through movement and breath and like self touch, that I will have a chemical experience coursing through me. Right. And if I choose to call up or conjure up a very difficult memory and reminisce over something traumatic or sad, my body might start to run a different series of chemicals than inducing that ecstatic state. And so I was really adamant that I didn't want to take medication and that I wanted to kind of um, self-regulate or kind of develop a relationship with my mental health outside of the psychiatric paradigm. So essentially, after I stopped, you know, I like secretly titrated myself off of these drugs that I didn't want to be on, um, I had some time to study, you know, I was 21 at this point. I studied evolutionary astrology with a teacher. I studied under Ari Moshe when we lived in Olympia, Washington. And I also was studying things like Abraham Hicks and the law of attraction. And I started to play around with altering my reality by altering my mind, you know, of, you know, various practices, but that was one of them. And so back to this point I made earlier that I had a certain resistance to the science, it was because I had felt uh, a very recent sense of alienation, like whatever these psychiatrists are saying about how the brain works and the ways that this was leveraged against my free will and my autonomy and my sovereignty and like my dignity like fuck this stream of information i'm gonna go the magical route i'm gonna talk to the planets i'm gonna talk to the angels i'm gonna do it my way and be a balanced stable person my way right and so years later Um, now when I do read things about neuroplasticity, there are things that I connect with, but I'm years deep into this, like relationship with thinking about neural pathways. And so a lot of what I'm going to share in this transmission is coming from that, just like lived in experience. And perhaps if you have a scientific perspective, you can see where it coheres or what seems contradictory. What I started to realize um, when I began this process of changing my brain chemistry, basically, what I wanted to do, the way that I understood the metaphysics of the situation, was that I could attract a better life for myself, a dream life, right? If I was in a higher vibrational state more of the time, like if I knew what I was dreaming or the kind of life that I wanted, and I became that. And Of course, people take many issues with this kind of thinking, but for me, it helped me to develop this meditation where I was raising my baseline emotional state. And I noticed that as I began to enter into this process, first, let's also say, you know, Aquarius has to do with integration, right. And I had just come out, you know, of that spiritual awakening of falling in love um, during that spiritual awakening as well. I had had more fun, Leo, than I was used to having. I was filled with more erotic sensation than I was used to holding. And it had been kind of pulled out from underneath me, like the rug pulled out from underneath me, Scorpio, when I lost access to that state and was suddenly in this hell realm. Right. And so as I came out of it and was integrating Aquarius relates to integration, it's like, how do I stabilize these really high sensations? So stabilize Taurus, high sensations, Scorpio Taurus axis. How do I stabilize these high sensations in my body so that I don't have to get it from somewhere else or from someone else that I am my own supply. Right. So this is Taurus self-reliance and like Scorpio, of course, we're going to be magnetized and attracted to these experiences that take us past our boundaries or past our um, capacities, right? But if we don't anchor those sensations or those capacities inside of ourselves, then we'll always need, right? The other. And so I was desperate, like desperate, right? To have this beautiful, magical life. And the way that I saw it, practicing the law of attraction was the only way I was going to get there. Like I could not bear to sink into a less magical life, you know, like just to be, you know, the authority figures during the time of that spiritual awakening were literally being like, you were delusional. Your reality was delusional. You need to come back to earth. And I was like, no, like I recognize I made some mistakes and was like a little bit unhinged (laughs) or like a lot unhinged. But it was because I was coursing energy through my body that I wasn't able to contain well enough. Um, But those feeling states, those highs I encountered, I want to integrate that into my daily life. So in this kind of like, you know, part of the the conversation, say, about the erotic, which is so fixed sign energy Audrey Lorde talks about how once we experience the erotics of Scorpio Taurus, we we know what to aspire to. It creates our ideals, Aquarius. And so I began to notice my mind. It wasn't very easy to be distracted during this time in my life because I felt this aching desire to feel that sense of fun and fulfillment and eros that numbing or distracting just like couldn't do it for me. And so I would notice my thoughts. And what I would notice is when I was kind of sinking into a habitual sense of scarcity or lack or grief of like, oh, my dream life has passed, has passed me by. Like my life's never going to turn out good. I'm upset about this thing. This part of my self-esteem is like, really bad and weighing me down, you know, just noticing when I was going into those eddying kind of like negative spaces, if you will. And I made this critical leap of not believing those things anymore and literally being like, oh, this is a neural pathway. This is a familiar, well-worn neural pathway. So the way that I've visualized neural pathways in my mind based on how I experience my thoughts is that a pattern of mind or a place that I've inhabited for hours, for days, for years. Right. It's like a very well-worn track and energy flows there very easily. Right. So the kinds of thoughts, the kinds of feelings, the kinds of chemicals that I've habitually run, it's easy to keep doing that. And that's where the fixed signs have this sense of stability and homeostasis, right, and endurance and stamina like they are fixed. And so I started to notice that my habits of mind were merely habits. And if I was starting to get into one of those brooding places Instead of trying to understand it more deeply or get to the bottom of it, I experimented Aquarius with immediately counteracting it with some kind of um, change of consciousness, like interrupting my own patterns. So Aquarius is interrupter and doing whatever it took, whatever I figured out how to do to boost my mood on purpose. And so I would watch as I found myself falling into a familiar groove in my mind, a familiar groove in my body, and essentially bust out of it. So neural pathways, these familiar places of mind, these familiar patterns that we follow, when we find that we're in it, we can divest or diverge or break the track in some sense to create a new pathway sometimes when we do new things or we're just in a play state or we're having fun or we're moving our bodies in a new way or having like new erotic experiences we're actually building new pathways too So I found that I could either build a new pathway or just stop feeding Taurus, feeding the habitual body, the habitual brain. So to go back a little bit, how do you recognize a neural pathway? And this again is kind of where, although I'm not speaking from a place of research in terms of a lot of people, I'm just talking from my own experience. I think that that has actually been uniquely liberating at a personal level because that's part of the psychiatric worldview that I rejected in the first place was that this, you know, cold, sterile body outside of me could determine the health of my brain or tell me how to think, you know, like I was just really against that. And so for me, neural pathways are like, Let's say that I'm having a good day or things are going relatively well, but my mind still finds a way to come back to nitpicking what was wrong with the situation or thinking about, you know, the scarcity of the situation. And so that kind of quality, say like Taurus scarcity, Scorpio fixating, you know, emotional fixations on something negative years later, I would actually research and find out that our brains have like, they're wired to focus a lot more on the negative and what will help us survive, you know, to avoid danger than our brains are wired to spend time and energy on like happy thoughts. And so building, um, like the muscle to kind of be grateful and to, to meditate on our gratitude and like what was beautiful about our day, it's actually like a skill to build. And you might notice this when it comes to like where you get more on the hook and aggravated and activated um, by like negative things or what went wrong or something mean that someone said, as opposed to like really letting in and like luxuriating in some good event in your day, that that's often a mindfulness practice. So I would notice where my consciousness, you know, just watching my mind, noticing my thoughts, observing them and noticing how often my thoughts wanted to go into this kind of like demon on the shoulder energy, right. Of like, what's bad about this situation. And just like feed on that. (laughs) Like, I just got an image of like, Sewage rats, or something like yum, like let's eat this, you know, and just like, yeah, I know that's like a gross image, but that's what came to mind. <laughs> um, and feeling that, like, okay, that's a neural pathway that's like really getting off or like really focused on eating and chewing this like negative material. And so instead of just surrendering to that or believing those kind of thought forms, actively interrupting those circuits by rerouting my mind on purpose to scan for possibilities of gratitude, you know, and like to actually search for that and to kind of shift the pattern. And by making this a habit over and over again, gratitude became easier to access I became really creative, Leo, about play and finding ways to enter into those bliss states as often as possible and allow things in my physical experience, the food I was eating, tea, um, beautiful scenery, flowers, the woods, the feeling of mud or dirt under my feet to be pleasure triggers and to kind of create a relationship, an energetic relationship, Scorpio, with my environment, Taurus, to boost joy, Leo, and inventiveness, Aquarius. What I found really interesting, too, was that even getting into a bliss state or a peak experience or like high sensation can actually be overwhelming. Right. And so sometimes I do experience unbridled joy and I'm just having fun and it feels amazing. Other times um, it's scary or there's some kind of trauma that comes up where it's like, oh, it's not safe to feel this happy or to feel this much pleasure. And so what I would notice was that the the neural pathways, say, around um, joy needed to be strengthened. Something that I want to add here is that as much as I'm talking about neural pathways, I'm not reducing our experience to Biology. I believe neural pathways are connected to spiritual pathways, right? Where it's like our brains conduct energy, like thoughts. For example, you know, as someone who is clairvoyant or has psychic ability, sometimes I know things or have these images that pop into my mind that I don't think came from me, right? Like it's a a reception, Taurus relating to receptivity, Aquarius, the water bearer, this like electric sign, like it's conducting information. And so I think that when we have habituated pathways of mind, spirit downloads um, have certain pathways they can find us through. And that when we open up new neural pathways, there's that light, like, aha, like kind of energy where you start to Become receptive to new flows of information. And I don't believe it's just happening inside of the body. Like there is a lot of information in the body. I think it's also coming from other sources, from the beyond, from spirit, from, you know, if you develop a practice of communicating with plants, you know, and sitting with a plant or imbibing a plant and understanding its consciousness in that way. There's a way that we, we are receiving information from all these different places. So when I talk about neural pathways, it's part of a spiritual network that is beyond biology, beyond the body, beyond the individual. Right. And this is another, um, neural pathway meditation, you know, that kind of just opened up yesterday for me consciously was that neural pathways are communal. Like we have entrained neural pathways from our social conditioning, the things that we're like taught what we inherit and so on. But say a person starts to develop a new pathway of thinking, or they solve a particular problem, say, and then After they've built that neural pathway or conceived of that information, they then share it. This happens a lot, I've noticed, with um, therapists or readers or people that have work that is involved with like helping people, where a person who's in that field may be having a lot of experiences of their own psychological growth, like their own trauma work or their own inner awakening. Right. And that's forming a field within them of insights that they have to offer or things that they can relate to. Right. And so a lot of the work of being a counselor and astrologer, as I've like come to see it, is that you're doing your own personal development work because you're understanding inside of yourself, the human condition at deeper and deeper levels. And so you're building more pathways to relate to other people and to convey the transmissions that you have found. So another part of how we get stuck in the fixed signs is that energy is, you know, lodged and it's not moving. And it's important in our in our inner working with the fixed signs, if this is something you think about, maybe this is a little bit abstract to you, but Let's look at Taurus and like resources and the distribute, like distributing of resources, which is more like Aquarius communal ecosystem network. That when we have something inside of us abundantly, it creates conditions for generosity, Leo. And that creates conditions for community connection. And we can stall that process by holding on to things that we could be giving freely. Right. And so I think a lot of what I see in the fixed signs is like this potential for creative excellence. And when we're not generous or when we're holding back, sometimes this energy can like fester inside of us, right? Where it's like, we need to be making art or like if we're a healer of some kind or a counselor of some kind, it's not just for other people that we share our insights. It's like, that's our system. Like that's how we move energy through our system. It keeps things moving. It keeps the energy flowing. So I wonder if I can get back to this other point that I uh, left on a tangent from about neural pathways. Let me tune in to where to pick up. Okay, I wanna share a few more things about recognizing neural pathways in your experience. So these are habits of thought, these are super highways in the mind, places that you're already kind of networked, right? Connections you already readily make. Okay, so pleasure pleasure, right? And like when we're experiencing thresholds of pleasure that we haven't yet built the homeostatic capacity for, where it kind of threatens our equilibrium of like, this is higher, you know, my, this is above my pleasure ceiling, right? This is more than I feel okay receiving that, that can show where it's like, there's a lot of energy and it's flooding through a pathway that's not as big as it right so it's either being stretched or there can be a contraction that comes from that and so i noticed in this process of intentionally building my neural pathways rewiring creating that sometimes experiencing joy would actually be difficult like it would also trigger this kind of trauma of like it's not safe for this is scary this is really high sensation especially, you know, after going through the experience of, um, being thought of as like not mentally sane and losing a lot of like freedom for a a short period of time, when I started to kind of like heal from that in a variety of ways, um, Sometimes in my own experience, like I would just be alone in my room and I would be writing something or I would be experimenting with like building up ecstatic states in my body. I would find places where it was like so difficult to hold the level of aliveness I felt in my system because it immediately I could feel the fucking sirens like wailing and like something coming to get me and being like, you're not mentally competent, like we need to like take you, you know, or like you're going to get found out and that kind of paranoia or trauma response. And I would, I could see that that was happening. Like I was very self-aware about that. And I would just kind of like breathe into that and kind of like relax and like soothe myself through that to kind of build the capacity of like, it's safe to be alive. It's safe to have a very active and lively mind. And I'd learned some lessons about how to not spill out my ideas in ways that were not beneficial to me. But it's like I can go here now and I have, you know, it comes up. I'll talk to people who they are afraid of like going crazy. Like they know that their mind has this like wild frontier and it's like scary. Like, I don't know how far it's going to go. Um, and. In terms of like, if I'm gonna bring that back to neural pathways, it's a kind of sense of like, I'm gonna go to this really far out network place. Like, my brain's gonna diverge to, you know, my consciousness is gonna go somewhere and I'm not gonna know how to come back or know how to integrate it. And so sometimes we might have experiences, say, if you have a peak experience or some kind of psychedelic journey where you really do get blasted out to some place that's very far away from your homeostatic normal, and it feels scary or traumatizing, or it could be really awakening and exciting. But either way, I think that there are kind of some systems in the body that will resist that level of erratic quality and try to keep things homeostatic, which is like a Taurus principle. And so when it comes to rewiring intentionally, there's ways to, to see that that system is in place, right? So when I was starting to increase my vibration on purpose, think about the positive, my part of my mind that really wanted to be negative would also get louder, Right. Like it was like the brighter the light, the brighter the shadow. And what that helped me kind of do was see that, no, it's not that I'm not making progress. It's that I've introduced a new energy into the system and the system's responding in a homeostatic way. And my baseline capacity to be happy or to be grateful did actually get higher, Um, and my capacity for depth and intensity and high sensation and descent also got deeper and that's okay. Right. But what I cared about was having diversity and range and bandwidth so that instead of just going into the underworld and getting stuck in these like super worn, deep, depressive pathways, that I could go to other places too, that I could be more like Mercury going from the underworld and into the other worlds. A few other ideas about how to notice neural pathways. Um, it, It is an intimacy practice with noticing, it's like a mindfulness, like seeing your patterns of how you tend to feel and think in certain situations and beginning to notice when it's not completely authentic to the moment in like a novel emergent way, but that it's just a pattern. And that's where you can see that it's a system and that's where you can interrupt the system. So a few examples, as I've been thinking about neural pathways, there was this one um, hill from the parking lot to the campus of um, Evergreen, where I went to undergrad. And every day after parking and like walking up that hill, I would notice that I would kind of like lose, um, lucidity at some point in the middle of the walk where I wasn't thinking about what I was thinking. Like I was just in my thoughts and maybe it it was kind of like a drumming kind of like angst. Like I was like working out something. And then by the time I got to the top of the hill and like the, um, my heart rate was probably up, um, because of the walk uphill, not like a huge workout, but like a slight, a slight one, I would start to get this really excited thought. Like I would be really happy all of the sudden. And it was really bizarre because this happened over and over again, where I would find myself at the top of the hill and be like, Oh, it's happening again. I'm like really excited about something. And I was just kind of unconsciously upset about something on the whole way up here, but now I'm excited. And it kept just happening. Right. Or like, so that would be something where it's like, that's a neural pathway for whatever reason, my consciousness, my system has this habitual way of walking up this particular hill and following this particular track. I didn't try to interrupt that one because it was kind of magical. But another one that I have interrupted is that in the morning when I'm like washing my face and getting ready, I noticed that um, habitually, that's a space where I feel really rushed and anxious and kind of like overwhelmed by all the things that are on my to-do list that aren't even on an actual to-do list. They're just floating around in my head. And I'm like feeling like I'm, I have too much to do and I'm like a mess or something like that. And it's just this like stress state that I notice happens when I'm doing that ritual act of washing my face and getting ready in the morning. And As an experiment, I just try to be calm and like practice presence and just like settling my system in that moment to kind of break that habitual pattern. Another one that comes up for me um, that I worked with more recently is that not hearing back from someone Um, but not usually like friends or, you know, it's more like a romantic situation. And if I don't hear back soon, like I'm not getting a text back within a certain amount of time, even if logically, you know, I feel secure in the situation, my body reverts into this response, my mind too, of just like this gut-wrenching, like horror, like it's almost kind of ridiculous at this point, but it's it still bothers me. It's like a state. And I've done a lot of um, trauma release on that in terms of like early, earlier experiences of rejection or abandonment, for example, that felt more wounding um, that are kind of an origin, at least one, because these kinds of complexes can come from prior lives. They can come from like pre-verbal, like infant kind of places, right? But at least a route, you know, several routes that I've identified and like done like trauma clearing, EFT kind of stuff around where it has made it easier to navigate these things or like it's kind of diminished them for the most part, like certain places that would cause me anxiety or activate me after I did like deep trauma release work, Um, I was freer if not completely free, but some of these things are deep and you have to kind of keep coming back to them and keep taking layers off. And so the last time that I was in this space of being really activated and feeling this gut wrenching, like I'm not getting a text back, like what's going on, even though like nothing is happening, you know, um, I, I, I decided to stop telling the story and feeding the neural pathway that this was a terrible thing. You know, all the different kinds of thoughts and fears and irrational things that were coming up. There's a way that we can dig into those things. Scorpio, get to the bottom of them, find the psychological thing in it. I do that sometimes, but this time I was kind of tired and I wanted a breakthrough. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try on this thought that this is like the best possible this is the best possible reality, like a Voltaire style, you know, it's the best possible world. This is the greatest thing that's happening. And just from a place of play, Leo, and pretend and invention, Aquarius, some would maybe call it a dissociative behavior. It's not like I was not acknowledging the situation and how activated I was. I was just experimenting with a new way to relate to it. Um, I just started to feed a new pathway of like, everything's actually Fine. And this particular, you know, pattern, when it comes up for me, there's different ways that I'll relate to it or kind of work with it or be with myself through it. But lately, kind of, I've been looking at it as just, oh, it's a neural pathway. Here I am again, feeding this kind of highway in my brain that's wired around trauma and abandonment and lack and scarcity and danger in a situation that's not actually, um, Equivalent to it. So, why don't I just feed a different pathway and start to build that habit? So, the fixed signs, you know, relate to this capacity to change our lives, right? The fixed signs relate to some of the most embedded, stagnant, stuck patterns and the creation of something enduring. So, when it comes to habits of mind, You know, if you think about the things that you are the most stagnant about or where you've gotten the most stuck or the things that have just been so normal in your life, like just habitual ways that you've been habitual ways that you think, whether these are negative things or like astrology to be honest is like such a neural pathway experience to me because when i first was studying astrology you know even as a kid it would light me up and it would like light up new pathways right but then when you're years deep into astrology and you've made all of these connections the super highway the pathways in the mind and in the consciousness are so um so huge And it becomes even richer. And I imagine that, you know, dancers, musicians, singers, like whatever we do, that's really creative and fun and that we enjoy, we're building a neural pathway, like superhighway around that. But we also build neural pathway, superhighways around our psychological complexes and, you know, negative or degrading thought forms. And that gives them gravity and magnetism. Like if you were carrying um you know or just think about a train and how it goes on these tracks like wherever the tracks exist those conduct energy and There is the skillful, maybe the perhaps disciplined way of rewiring our emotional focus to be like, okay, even though I have this fucking cavern of a built out neural pathway, I'm not going to feed it today. I'm going to feed a new pathway and start building another one that can be done. There's also certain activities um, like EFT tapping that works with these like streams of energy and actually kind of like breaks them up and allows them to like flow and kind of circulate through the body and like release. So a lot of trauma healing techniques, you know, trauma relating to Aquarius has so much to do as well with altering our equilibrium, Taurus, our stability, where it's like our stability has been in this deep relationship with this kind of trauma pattern. And like, let's interrupt that circuit and clear it right? And then that also allows us a lot of freedom, which is an Aquarius theme, as well as to surpass certain emotional limitations. One, you know, I was talking about money is huge with the fixed signs, Taurus resources, right? And everyone has a, a psychological relationship with money and projections onto money and traumas around money, right? And when it comes to recognizing how we feel in our consciousness and in our body, like maybe there's certain numbers, like certain ranges of spending where your body feels okay, right? Certain ranges and maybe on certain things, but maybe there's certain purchases, certain numbers that really get your body activated. Um, and so part of my abundance mindset Um, or like wealth creation process or relationship with money had been starting out early on with becoming comfortable spending and receiving money. And so feeling like noticing where I would feel contraction and feel all of this scarcity or fear around purchasing or receiving and to start to really soften and open that. Even if that was like a play, Leo like a thing that I was putting on experimentally and playfully of like, you know, when I pay my rent this month, I'm going to do so joyfully. I'm going to rejoice that I have the money to pay rent and that this money, you know, is going to my landlord and their family. That's an interesting thought, right? Because you could also really dislike landlords or think that they're evil or something or have a particular, um, resentment to, landlords in general or your particular landlord. And that's going to create a kind of sticky feeling where it's like you're writing the check and you're sending it, but it feels gross to you, right? And so purchasing money, our relationship with money will have those little barbs in it and finding where we're at liberty to remove those barbs and have a different perspective and a different relationship in our somatic, in our body, as well as in our thoughts around circulation of resource is huge. So to come back to my first point about why so much of this is internal, imaginative, um, and less about the science, when I have read things about neural pathways from like a more academic perspective, I've found it, you know, at this point, really resonant with some of the things that I've already felt. But I do like to encourage people as well to have a mindful Internal self aware relationship with the habits of their mind and body, so that you can get to this place of objectivity, Aquarius, of seeing the types of thoughts you're having without identifying with them. Like you get to choose discerningly which ones you identify with. And if you start to notice your habitual pathways, like the emotions that you tend to feel in particular situations, or the emotions you tend to feel at particular times of day, you can see that these are highways of energy that have habitual ways of moving. And then as a creative practice, you can interrupt and reroute those pathways to change your life and change your reality. And so this is a very you know internal way to think about it. Um, our emotional focus, Scorpio is part of that and also what we're bonded and merged with. So if we are in a really dysfunctional situation, um, but we use a lot of like adaptogenic herbs and like magic, and we work with our mindset to kind of validate and like keep ourselves in a dysfunctional situation. Uh, That's a lot of energy that we're using, whereas it might be more practical to change the situation, say, put ourselves in a more favorable environment, Taurus. So there is something, you know, when you think about like plants that need different kinds of sunlight or care, like you can't just transplant a plant anywhere and have it have the same experience, So neural pathways can be part of like a holistic way of approaching our lives, where if we notice that certain um, environments are conducive or not conducive to our growth or well-being, we can take that into account. And not even to say that we always put ourselves in experiences that are conducive to our our balance. Sometimes we really crave um, adventure or some kind of ceremony that will take us to an edge, right? Like people that do psychedelic ceremonies or even a ceremony that's not connected to psychedelics, but a ceremony that's going to bring you to some psychological or emotional edge. You're not going into that ceremony just to feel comfortable. You're going there to feel transformed, right? And so neural pathways, how we relate to these habits of how energy streams through our body, our minds, what kinds of chemicals we're running um, habitually, this is something that at least in my experience, I've been able to shift it through um, my own willpower, my own willpower of mind, emotional focus. But it also has so much to do with the concrete choices I make in my life and what kinds of situations I'm involved in. Um, because that's the landscape, that's the ecosystem I'm a part of, and that affects me too. And there's a a, a kind of ecosystem between all of these things. I'm going to stop this transmission on neural pathways here. Um, Meteorite is a year-long program that involves creative projects for alumni of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive. One of the inspirations for this run of Meteorite is to work with the fixed signs as part of our astrological embodiment. And so this is not just fixed signs, you know, in terms of our chart, like where we have Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius, we could look at the houses that are ruled by these signs, or we could look at the second, fifth, um, eighth and 11th house for, you know, evolutionary astrology will cohere you know, or see correspondences between signs and houses. I know that's not the same in all forms of astrology, but regardless of where these signs are in the natal chart, we have fixed sign experiences when we deal with resources and finances, when we deal with creativity um, and expression, when we deal with our psychological underworld and our sense of taboo or like shame or deep desire as well as where we relate to freedom liberation innovation so no matter what's happening in our natal chart these are energetics um, that just exist in reality and to become really aware of these connections is to open up a lot of creative pathways for how we live our lives how we transform really stagnant things Um, as well as, you know, elevate these higher potentials or ideals um, and kind of manifest them, Leo, stabilize them, Taurus into reality. Thanks for listening. I hope that you found this helpful and animating in some way. For listening, if you've been enjoying this podcast and have something to say about it, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of that review before you click submit and email it to me at Sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I will send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality, which includes several hours of videos about the intersection between kind of create your own reality and astrology, including one of my favorite talks I've ever given called Leo. Or I think it's play and the evolution of alternate realities. And so if you want to continue going down this rabbit hole of the fixed science, I've got you covered, you know, so send me a screenshot of the review, um, help this podcast, um, reach more listeners like yourself and I'll catch you for another episode soon.